It's Office Hours with me, Chris. And we are back this week, but uh, this time I locked Brent out. He's here, but it's a six-person office, but when more than two are in here, it just gets a little crowded. And I brought Wes in. It's a perfect episode for Wes. Hello, sir. Oh, hello. Nice to have you back into the office. We're going to get into uh, some podcasting 2.0 tech that we're toying around with that I think it's going to be great to get your insights on. The raw the raw pain opinion. <laughs> now, I do think I hear a Brent Klein at the door. We might have to do something about that. It's going to get on the recording. Sounds just like his cats. You sure know, does. when they live together long enough, they kind of share the same mannerisms. So we did it. We reached our bounty, and there's yet another office hours. The big question is... Can we do it again? And can I fix my value block so we actually capture it all? We'll tell you more about that and more about the bounty in just a bit. But let's let's get into some podcasting news because we got bad news and we got good news. And I think we should start with the bad stuff. This is the one that our chat rooms have been talking about all week as we record right now. The Coda Radio chat room has been talking about this. I had this sent in to me by Wes, by Brent. By probably a dozen listeners out there. It's like we think you like podcasts or something. I don't know. <laughs> you guys knew. You guys knew this is my story. Uh, it's so frustrating. I was never a huge Google Podcast fan, but Google has announced they're shutting it down. And they're going to migrate y'all to YouTube Music. Congratulations. They're going to move everybody because, of course, all things must be folded into YouTube, Wes. The lines here are getting pretty confusing. I mean, YouTube Music was already sort of a bastardized app that, you know, was just sort of clawed on top of YouTube in a way that <laughs> I, I mean, I even use it sometimes and I don't especially like. But now you've got like, what is a pod, like YouTube adding podcast support? And you've got this sort of blend between YouTube Music and YouTube for something that's supposed to just be, you know, like an RSS feed in a podcast. It's a lot. Yeah, it is. And I can't help but feel like, internal machinations have influenced this over time. Like there have been different tribes and slowly but surely the YouTube kingdom is just growing and winning battle after battle. Because <laughs> Google videos, right? Their whole video streaming platform for selling videos is now routed through the Play Store. Now music got folded into YouTube and now podcasts. And the podcast one I think is really about advertising because YouTube has really been sucking all of the air out of podcast advertising. YouTube and TikTok and and anything that's a platform where one staff member from like a company that wants to sponsor, one person can sit down and reach 10, 15 creators and individually select by demographics like age and, you know, different types of preferences for preferences for technology like that just that system scales so much easier and better. It just sort of naturally is where as the market has gotten tighter, it's the upside of the big concentrated platform, right? The advertisers have one thing to understand and not have to negotiate with different podcasters to do things differently. And they get more data too, right? Mm. Yeah. They get more data than I'd be willing to give them. The YouTube platform collects more data about your watch behavior. And then also the views are public. That's not true on podcasts. It did surprise me that Google's actually supporting the option of an OPML file if you don't want to move to YouTube music. And it just makes me think that that wouldn't have been offered if the community hadn't already standardized on a format like that that they would expect Google to offer. Yeah, I was surprised to see it too. Um, you know, I, I don't know what I expected them to do, some sort of weird like Google data takeout thing. That yeah, here's, would, a, <laughs> here's a zip file in a, in a yeah. format that doesn't fit with anything else, but good luck. Yeah, yeah. we'll see how this goes. I'm not, I'm not big on this because YouTube – eats the metrics, right? They eat all the plays. So it doesn't get reflected on our other mechanisms to track. So when I go to, say, an advertiser, I have to disclaim that there are several thousand numbers missing from this count because those are counted by the YouTube platform. I could send you a screenshot, shrug emoji, right? So it, 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 that's why I don't like it is because Google rehosts my file. And so if I want to swap the file out or if I want to amend a new transcript, I have to go through Google's platform. I have to use Google's tools with their limitations. And admittedly, some of that stuff could be nice if you're just getting started, right? Like you don't want to have to understand how to roll all that yourself, which makes it yeah. attractive. But there's no all the cart. You either use all of it or none of it. And like maybe yeah. we, want to, we want to be on that platform. But yeah, we don't, want, we don't want them to have everything. That's a fair point. And I think the monetization is much easier on YouTube. Mm -hmm. On YouTube, yeah. you just kind of got to figure out what's going to get enough views to monetize and do that. And it's built into the platform. 
with independent podcasting until boosts and value for value, there's never been a uniform way to support all podcasters. It's generally hand-rolled memberships or swag or Patreon or some other custom-rolled solution that the podcasters have to implement and then the audiences have to self-implement as well. And it's on YouTube. You just get to enough views and then you can check a box. And as long as you're a good little boy or girl, you get paid. It's way easier. But it's also platform capture. Oh, sorry. I wasn't listening to that last bit. I've been watching a short. <laughs> That's sort of the, uh, one other little amendment to the bad news is as this transition's happening, <laughs> YouTube is removing controls for creators to specify the types of advertising. So creators will no longer be able to individually select if uh, a video or a podcast has a pre roll or a post roll or skippable or non skippable ads. That's just no longer under the creator's control. So not only are they killing Google Podcasts, moving all the podcasts over, trying to assume all the videos and music and create a huge advertising platform, at the same time, they're removing the controls the creators get to control what type of ads is shown to their audience. Lovely. Great. Yeah. Now, some good news. And Wes, I really want to get your raw pain thoughts on this one because I suspect I'm looking at like all of like the advantages and you're probably looking at some of the broader secondary third-order effect type stuff, but Blueberry, which is a really well-known podcast network and uh, support infrastructure, sort of, um, I'd say, the better alternative to Libsyn, integrates well with WordPress and has a good team behind it, has announced Podcast Mirror. Now, Podcast Mirror reminds me a bit of FeedBurner back in the day, and that was you you take a traditional RSS feed and you add it to FeedBurner, and FeedBurner makes it a podcasting feed or a blog feed, depending on the era. And then that made it, you know, you could have the enclosure tag, and it would have the iTunes proprietary namespace, and it had all the stuff you needed to make a podcast a podcast. And so JB jumped in on FeedBurner very early on. Of course, later, I think it was acquired by Google and essentially left out to die. Um, and Podcast Mirror is a similar kind of idea where you have a standard podcasting feed a podcasting 1.0 feed. You feed it to Podcast Mirror, and it spits out a fully podcasting 2.0 compatible version of that feed with the live item tag, value for value, uh, the medium options so people could switch, uh, pod ping support so you can notify the apps, GUID support, and all the things you kind of want from a podcasting, for the most part, from a podcasting 2.0 feed. And so you can use your traditional platform, like in our case, Fireside, or maybe in somebody else's case, Libsyn, or whatever it might be, wherever you have your podcast. Sure. Anything that produces an RSS feed. And then you feed it to Podcast Mirror, and they spit out a 2.0 version. And of course, they spend a lot of time on their website talking about how they've optimized it for performance, they've optimized it for compatibility, they have a great CDN, they talk about some of the Cloudflare tech they're using. um, So that they claim, you know, it's going to have really good reliability. They've been alpha testing it for quite a while uh, for free for a for a large portion of users. So it has been in production for a bit. And of course, the Blueberry team seems to really know podcasting in RSS, and they've been aggressive with podcasting 2.0. So I think it's pretty compelling, Wes, because I don't know if it'd be a great fit for, say, the Linux Unplugged feed, right? Hmm. But what about, like, the member feeds? Because that's where we really struggle because of the limitations. I still don't know exactly how we do it, but some, you know what, in circumstance where we have a show where we don't really foresee the possibility of us custom creating that RSS feed or something, or maybe you're a podcaster out there that is using Fireside or something equivalent to Fireside, the, the podcast host, and you, you want to keep your host, but you also want to do podcasting to it and be able to do booze and be able to do live streams. Yeah, I wonder how much of this is like a secondary funnel for Blueberry, you know, like how many folks sign up for Podcast Mirror because at, for whatever reason at the time, they can't really change providers with the hope that they, you know, like, how long do you actually stay on just Mirror and not want the rest of it? Because I think the, uh, the nice yeah. part, right, is you get this, you get stuff that maybe if you're not too sure, you're not happy with the feed generated, seemingly they're going to correct stuff, apply standardization features, and, of course, add in a bunch of stuff for podcasting 2.0, which is awesome. And for if you're stuck at a place that isn't doing that, but you've been itching for support and you don't want to re-roll your own feed or something... This seems perfect. But on the flip side, now you got two UIs, right? Like you got to go add all your main data in your whatever your original system. And then you go add your podcasting 2.8 stuff on the mirror side. So I wonder a little bit about like how long at scale you do that. Probably just fine for a single podcast. But if you're running more than one, 
that could get a little tricky. And I don't know. One thing I'd like to investigate is, does Podcast Mirror have an API? Because that could make or break whether or not it seems really useful for us. That is a great point. That would be a great feature. I suspect one of its limitations, but perhaps solve one of the problems you mentioned, is it may only be able to do the podcasting Tudado stuff. It may only be able to do the podcasting Tudado additional features to a 1.0 feed at the show level, not at the individual episode level. So in the show level, you would set the standard value split. You would set the sort of the standard, uh, you know, uh, host and, and co-host information. And I don't know, like, if there is actually a UI to go in and say specific value split for this individual episode and that kind of that level of detail. I think it's only feed level stuff, possibly, but I'm not sure because I haven't tried it. It does seem, you know, if you get a nice CDN for what they're advertising right now, 60 bucks a year, that could be pretty compelling. I mean, that that also makes me wonder, what if I just want that part? You know, like, I don't care right. about that stuff. Can I, is there an option where you don't mess with my feed at all, but you just mirror it out for me and we go from there? Because that also seems like it had some value. That's true, because like in the case of office hours, we're just doing an XML file on object storage. Yeah, right. So if we just point that there and say, hey, make it go faster. Yeah, and then it sits in front of that. The other thing that's kind of nice that FeedBurner gave us is then you can change what the mirror is pointed at. So if we, say, wanted to move object storage, origin points, or, you know, wanted to put it up on a different HTTP service that we write someday, or, you know, maybe we start generating hosting on GitHub or whatever, we could just redirect whatever the mirror source is. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a nice little built-in layer of redirection. You can kind of give them the top layer thing and... Not have to worry if you need to fudge some details in the background for a bit. So they're charging 60 bucks a year for this. I, I imagine maybe it's per feed. Again, I haven't totally dug into it because I, I feel like if I do, I'll, I won't be able to stop myself. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. No, I, I almost signed up just to start playing with it. I, I do yeah. wonder if you have any worries about that just from some of our, our existing providers. You know, like you get a deal at one point and then you really become successful. You really actually use the service. And then, then you get like a little email that says, Oh, yeah, well, uh, you're past the tier that we advertised for you. Which, uh, Wes is hinting, just literally happened for the second time now from Fireside, where they start with, congratulations on your success. You're costing us so much that if you don't pay us more in the next week or two weeks or whatever it is, or sometimes it's a month, it depends. One time it was like, it felt like a couple of days notice, I don't recall. We're going to either remove you or you got to pay up because you're using too much bandwidth. It stinks because... I don't know. It's like they don't advertise. You don't. You can't even sign up for these plans that they have. They have these tiers that are unlisted that they then tell you about once you've reached a certain point. And it becomes more and more of a cost center as the show grows. And I just think about a future. And I don't know if we'll get there, but I just think about a future where maybe we could self-host our own IPFS gateway and redirect our own URL redirector. And we see the IPFS podcasting network with some nodes throughout the world on Linode. And so the file downloads are being served by IPFS. And the RSS feed is either like we have a Cloudflare type CDN or we're using something like Podcast Mirror. And so the RSS feed is being served by that mirror. The files are being served by IPFS. At that point, we just need a simple Hugo front end. And we are basically just running on top of infrastructure. It's like it's like podcasting on metal. Yeah, I like that. And I think that's maybe one area that Podcast Mirror kind of gets right is like you can just insert it. And, you know, the more tools you have that are composable, uh, the more options you have instead of just like using WordPress with PowerPress and just having, you know, having that all in one box, which can be really nice when you get started. But uh, once you're doing weird stuff, you need a little more flexibility. And we like the weird. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I've noticed with with, uh, the Podcasting Mirror, um, which we'll put a link to the Podcast Mirror, it's just podcastmirror.com. They are creating a solution for generating podcasting 2.0 RSS feeds when hosting providers aren't stepping up. And another company that's doing this is PodFans, although they're not there yet. But a component of what they're working on will also include the ability for podcasters to go in and fill out some of the extra 2.0 fields in a really nice UI, a real solid alternative to Sovereign Feeds. God bless Sovereign Feeds. I use it. I love it. And then you get the XML file and you can host it wherever you want. So I had a nice little morning call with Sam Sethi from PodFans. He's also uh, from Pod News, And they're developing a new podcasting 2.0 app that has kind of a new modern take on the Netflix 
UI for the discovery screen. Oh. It's a progressive web app. It does have some offline features like local storage, and they do in-browser SQL. And I kind of like this idea, Wes, of the progressive web app. Originally, I was kind of against these, but as we see different app store shenanigans around sats and boosts, and we just think about like being able to move from desktop to Android to iPhone, I think I'm kind of getting on board with the whole PWA for a podcast app. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that we have options, so it's cool to see someone exploring that segment of the market. And hey, at least we know for now, the web still remains a pretty open environment. And I think they've nailed one of the best UIs playback stuff, um, but they've also, each one of these new apps has had some time to watch the market and figure out what the next stage of fully embracing value for value is. And I felt this way for a while. The next stage is giving value back to the audience directly too. Mm. And they have built that in in some ways that kind of gamify the platform for pod fans. And there's probably like 20 of them, but here's a few. Like uh, they have a playlist feature. So if you go and you're a PodFans user and you create some playlists of different shows, like maybe a collection of your favorite JB shows, and somebody else listens to that playlist and they boost from that playlist, you get a 1% split of that boost automatically. Oh, neat. Does that also mean that the playlist is itself a feed? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it must mm. be. Yeah. And it's all in, you know, it's all it's all in the search and all that too. There's also the ability for us to define how many sats a listener gets when they play a trailer of our podcast. So if we create a trailer... You know, uh, office hours, office hours, office hours in a world where podcasting is changing. You know, we do that kind of thing. <laughs> we could pay them like 200 sats for listening to our trailer. Okay. How do, how would that work on the back end? Does that, does, do we have to send sats to pod fans and they do it out or they make like an invoice to us somehow? I think it comes from, actually, it comes from like the splits. So they have, there's like a, there's a balance and they take it from that balance. And then also they are contributing about 10,000 sats. From their place, which is like two bucks for them, right? So it's super low user acquisition cost. They're also contributing 10,000 sats to all of this as well. Podfans does. Oh, that's nice. So it depends on the function. Depending on the function, it's either it coming, it's coming from the list from the split or it's coming from that from that stash. Yeah, I see here you're talking about like the new user can kind of sign up and earn 10K sat. You can fill out like a profile, follow a podcast, start playing something. That seems like a nice way to get past that hurdle of like, okay, I want to boost, but wait, now I got to go sign up somewhere else and get myself sets and figure this whole thing out? Right. That, yep. That's the problem they're trying to solve is get those sets quick, you know, see how it works, start understanding why the system is great, get over that initial hurdle. And uh, I just think that's a neat idea, too, that you could, you know, you listen to a trailer. Well, go listen to like four or five trailers and stack some sets. <laughs> you know, that's a fair trade for everybody right there. And maybe you'll listen to a podcast. You'll hear one you like and it clicks and now you got a new podcast. And then you can tell us to shut up about Nick's already. <laughs> you can also earn sats by reporting bugs and, and that kind of stuff. But uh, there's like I said, there's like 20 ways you can earn sats. It's pretty great. But they have this other feature that I think is pretty brilliant. It kind of takes the Fountain FM charts to the next level. And... It's a top listener leaderboard for a show. So it it takes into account how soon after an episode has been released that you hit play. It takes into account if you've completed it, maybe if you've listened to it twice. All of those things that you also get to collect your own stats on go into determining who are like the top super listeners of a podcast. And there's a leaderboard for each show. And so you'd have like, you know, the golden dragon on there, right? And you'd have, you know, different listeners on the leaderboard. And initially... The top super listener is going to get a 1% split of the boost. But then soon, creators going to be able to go in there and adjust that amount. So you could say maybe we, instead of just having one super fan, let's have three super fans. And you could say super fan number one gets a 3% split and super fan number two gets a 2% and super fan number three gets a 1% split or whatever. So there's you know more, more opportunity there. Oh, that's fun. And then the one I think that I could see you, me, and Brent doing sometime, uh, it'd be fun to do this like on a... Uh, like a caravan road trip, is they have a co-listening feature that they're building in. So oh, you can, really? Like stuff yeah. like Plex and Jellyfin has? Yeah, yeah. Basically, so you start the show, uh, or I would, you know, whatever, and then you guys would go to my profile. You could see what show I'm listening to. You hit it, and it'll take you right to where I'm at in the podcast. Okay, and you can listen yeah. Along. I got to try that. <laughs> and so I asked them, I'm like, this is a big app. You got a lot of stuff here. They're really aggressive on the features. That implies there's some folks on the back end making it happen, and that that takes some money, right? Yeah. I said, how many users or, you know, how much revenue do you think you really need to make? Because their strategy, and I really like this, is they just take a fee from the splits. And this is how a lot of other podcasting and apps do it. And it is a legit 
monetization strategy for the developer. They don't have to go sell advertising. They don't have to necessarily go into all these other avenues to try to monetize the podcast app itself. They just make a good app. They make it easy to boost. They get a little split. It's all in there. It's all listed out. It's really nice. And Podfans is going to use that model. Okay. So that means then like if I go into Boost Coda Radio, say, then they would slide in, basically adjust stuff. So they slide in their own split to whatever I've been sending, to whatever is defined in the feed. Yeah. So in the value block, you have the different splits. And then you also have a fee split, which is separate from the from the standard splits. And so it it basically takes the 100% and then applies a little fee to that. That's a way like you can you can support the app without having to put them in your split directly. Oh, that's nice. And they're going to do the same thing. Yeah. And I figure, you know, what they're looking at with the kind of revenue they're going to need, if they get around even like 10,000 active users, which I think is very doable with this good app, I think they're going to be probably in sustainable territory. So it seems doable. And then lastly, the other thing I teased, which is nice to see, is they're going to have a sovereign feeds type functionality where – we could go in and export out a podcasting 2.0 XML file. They also have plans, and I love to see this, to integrate transcribe.fm, which is the lightning-powered transcription service for podcasts. So, you know, podcaster could log in, you click a button, toss a few sats at transcribe.fm. Not only do you get to download the generated transcribe files, but they'll automatically then be integrated into the PodFans player, and you'll have a transcription, boom, right there, one click. Wow, yeah, that is nice. And you could see how maybe, you know, you're a podcaster interested in podcasting 2.0 stuff. You see PodFans has this. You start playing with it. It's a useful tool to just muck with your own feed. And then, yeah, maybe from there you want to onboard, you want to start using it yourself, you want to start focusing on some of those PodFan features that we just talked about. It's an interesting strategy. I think they got a really good uh, start. It's it's really kind of impressive, even at the alpha stage. And this week, they're going to be rolling it out or soon. Probably by the time this is out, it'll be in public beta at podfans.fm. And Sam Sethi, he's a pretty interesting cat. You know, he uh, he worked at Netscape 100 years ago. And uh, so he's seen a few things. And he, he recognizes the trends that look like they're going in the right direction and the ones that are just going to be a fad. And he's pretty bullish on the future of podcasting 2.0 and and he's managed to capture the interests of uh, some investors who haven't invested a crazy amount of money, but they've put a little money behind it to help them pay for development while it gets rolling. So they're off to the races, Wes. Huzzah! Huzzah! Now, let's take a little break. When we get back, we're going to chat with the podcasting 2.0 consultant, Alex Gates. And we're going to troubleshoot some things that I found with the Jupiter Station live item feed that we've been playing around with. But up first, with the magic wallet switching technology... Your sats support the track we have Empathize from Ethereal and my new favorite track called Shadow Man.
So Alex joins us right now, the podcasting 2.0 consultant, as we say. And I thought, Alex, you'd be the perfect guy to talk to for this idea I have for a new podcasting 2.0 Jupiter station feed. So welcome back to Office Hours. It's good to have you back. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. So I saw you and I are almost like on the same line of thinking recently. And I, I just, I loved this. I didn't even know you were thinking about this or writing an enhancement proposal around this until Dave Jones told me when I wrote him with some questions. So here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to accomplish, Alex. I have created a Jupiter Station podcasting 2.0 feed with a live item entry for our 24-7 MP3 IceCast type stream. And I wanted to create a way that even before we get lit support in all of our individual show feeds, people with the new podcasting 2.0 apps could essentially tap in from their app and listen while they're on the go or jump in and just sample the back catalog, as it were, and just get some random JB shows played to them. And then when we're live, you know, we just cut in and they get to hear the live show. And ideally, we'd probably update the, the the feed entry with the current show information eventually. But I'm I'm noticing I'm hitting some limitations with this idea already. And I think I'm not really using the live item tag for what it's really meant for. And I, I, I some of the friction points I hit are like uh, it is kind of essentially impossible, as far as I can tell, to switch the value block to actually reflect the show that's currently playing because it's just the boosts just go to the feed for the stream. And I can put splits in there, and I have, but it's not quite the same thing. It doesn't show up, say, in Helipad for the show that's currently playing on the stream, which would kind of be necessary for reading live boosts. It's always live, so the pending and, and ended status stuff doesn't really work, and so I don't really get to take advantage of the push notifications as well as I think I probably could as well. So these are some of the friction points I'm hitting, and I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts. Okay. Yeah, that's, there's a lot to unpack there. So um, I'll probably tackle that in two different approaches. The value stuff is still, uh, let's just say hard, uh, because uh, the, way, the way it's approached by every app so far is completely different. It's not really designed for 24-7 content, right? Like the, the, I mean, there's a couple different areas where they have 24-7 live streams and that they have all these different shows and we're just not ready to handle that yet. So I want to definitely explore different ideas and how we could do that in the future. But let me kind of explain where I was coming up with a radio medium idea uh, to start with. Yeah. Your enhancement proposal. Right. So, I mean, it actually, it wasn't my idea in the first place. So I'm, I guess for even more history, I created the medium specification to basically have this idea of uh, every different type of application could have its own medium, so you could you can index all these different RSS feeds and know what they are. Theoretically, you could put a blog in there if you want to, right? So, the, uh, or music, right, exactly. or live stream. Yep, yep. yep. So, well, live stream is uh, that's a whole different. Uh, I don't want to get too technical. Okay, okay. But music, blog, podcast, and audiobooks and video, and yeah, I think that's the, the main ones. So. So I was talking to Sam Sethi on the uh, Pod, Pod News Weekly Review. I think it was two or three weeks ago now. So the, uh, he actually brought it up to me in an interview there, which I wasn't expecting, about this idea of having a radio medium. And at first I wasn't too interested in the idea. And then I actually just got a new car. my first one since uh, 2007. Oh, congrats. Oh, yeah. I got Sirius XM on it. I just tried out. And uh, I, I had this idea of uh, how, how could we present podcast live streams in a similar, uh, similar UI to what we have with radio stations. And uh, this is kind of where, you know, where I thought it would go, uh, where if I wanted to like, just see what's playing on Jupiter Broadcasting Radio or whatever, Jupiter Signal, you could just turn it on, right, and just see whatever's on, on at the current time. I've been actually doing that in my testing of this feed, and I really like it. Like it's it's sort of simpler than trying to pick an episode. The you know the DJ bot's picking it for me. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of where top down the the idea was from to have a way for applications to prevent radio streams. And I mean, it's not traditional radio, but it's the same. That that's the that's the user interface we're trying to represent here, just for like the the context of discussion. I've heard a couple different things 
David and Adam went, they went all over the place with different ideas they could they could use it for, right? So it's not even close to finalized yet. I think my proposal is still in draft stage. I, I think I even have a, a disclaimer in there. Yeah, you note that it needs to be rewritten. I'm curious what your thoughts are. The way I wrote it originally was to have just one. You wouldn't even update the episode details. It would just say like just one live item like you have it now, and it would just say Jupiter Signal live stream. Uh, and, and the idea for that is the podcast app wouldn't be uh, expected to update the current playing episode just because uh, that's – well, that, I mean, you don't really have that radio, right, until you until you turn it on. And and then it's depending on your server if it'll actually send the client. And the client, you know, the client might not be set up to receive the metadata from the IceCast server. Exactly. And, and and it could be used for live video or something too, so. Yeah, yeah. We have a PeerTube instance where we could, you know, have an option to switch over to the video version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's where the idea was, but I'm hearing people say that they want to have the the current playing episode listed. And I'm kind of on the fence about it. I'm kind of wondering what, what your thoughts are on that. I think I would want the feed entry to be Jupiter Station, the live feed. And then once you're playing it, I would like the current show information to be somewhere in there. Because if you're jumping midway in, you don't even really know, know necessarily what show it is at first until you get your bearings. So it's sort of somewhere in the middle because I won't be sending out pod ping updates for every time the show changes on the live stream. But I could see myself wanting to do a pod ping update when we're going live with a weekly production. So when we're switching from the back catalog 24-7 stream to, hey, Linux Unplug is actually live right now. It'd be nice to let people that have that feed subscri- subscription, it'd be nice to let them know we're actually truly live right now. That's that, that's actually not that complicated. You could just have two different live items. You could have one that's in there forever that never ends. That's just the Jupiter signal live stream. Sure, right. And you could have a separate one that, that you send the notification for. Oh, that is very clever. That is very. That's you could do that right now. Mm-hmm. I might. I might. That might be my solution then. Uh, and then I'm not as. I mean, the value block stuff would be ideal, but it doesn't seem as necessary because you can solve some of that with the splits, and then of course. If you're boosting one of our feeds, the funds are kind of going to the same place ultimately. So it's not like it's critical, but it would be pretty great in, say, like Helipad to see the boost come in for the show that they were listening to, just so it gets allocated correctly, like in our records. Yeah, and that, and that music attribution is a whole nother ball of wax, right? So mm. I, I have a feeling that we would have to lean on some of the, the live wallet switching technology, as Adam would say, which isn't anywhere near ready because of how hard it is to do. So I, I feel I feel like that would be the, the best route forward if we wanted to do live, live, live value blocks. But that's nowhere near set in stone, stone at the moment. I can't be the only guy that has a, you know, a radio stream. I mean, I know there's the no agenda stream, so I'd love to see this. How does something like this go from here's a draft to we actually see this become adopted? Uh, well, usually... Usually someone like me submits it. They talk about it on Podcasting 2.0, and we see if there's interest first. Um, sometimes there's not, and that's fine. Sometimes people have had ideas, and I've presented ways to solve them, and no one actually wanted to do it. So that's happened a couple times. So you're saying I need to start like a boost campaign, a weekly boost <laughs> campaign to plug this this improvement idea until they finally break down and rally the community to do it? If that's what it takes. That's what well, it takes. Yeah, and and, the, and there's two different things here. There's there's your your use case, which you know we just solved a way to do that uh, right now, uh, and then there's the the radio medium specifically would be a new type of application or a new way to surface the twenty four seven live streams in an application. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a brilliant idea, though. I mean, easy for me to say, right? But take you know, take your app of choice. Why not have a tab of the shows that do have live streams because there's only there's only a real handful of podcasts that actually produce live content or have live streams going all the time. But I think if there was a way to discover them, you might see more podcasters motivated to do it. And I think live the live experience can be really unique and fun. Yeah, and you could easily have like a list of favorite live streams that you just tune into every now and then too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, Alex, you know what? <laughs> Thank you for I didn't ex- I didn't think we'd solve this really for me, but I think <laughs> I have a pretty good solution for the for the JB use case, uh, and I've been I don't know just probably more excited than I have in years just playing with this tooling. I'm so grateful for 
Stephen's B, Stephen B's work with some of the tooling too, just to let me experiment and start playing around with this and see what we can do. And the the live stuff is it's, it's like I've done live shows for a decade. It's just like so exciting to actually see this come to fruition and put together the Jupiter Station feed. Eventually, we'll have all our shows lit, but we'll start mm-hmm. there and always have it going. So I'm going to keep an eye on how this radio mediums thing, and I'm gonna. I am going to send a boost in and <laughs> try to bring attention to it because I think it would be great to have some sort of option. Maybe maybe the app developers would never embrace it, but maybe they will. Well, and, and th- that's a thing. It's not always existing app developers, right? Like, I mean, especially like, like Overcast. He's, he's fine with what he has for the most part. But this is a whole new way of enabling new applications. Right, good point. Somebody could come along and take it. That's that's such a great point, Alex. Well, and that's what they're doing with the you know the value for value blogging too, right? Yeah, with blogging and really with music, we're seeing that take off like crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I appreciate your time, Alex. Thanks for uh, sitting down and uh, working through this with me. Yep, happy to happy to do it. Now it's time for the Booster 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 Boostergram Corner. Boostergram Corner. I don't know a thing about crypto. And we do have a bunch of boosts to get to. I mean, a whole batch because we reached our milestone once again. Somehow, somehow, I, I mean, I have a couple of inklings, but somehow I messed up the value block in like at least the pocket episodes. So my wallet hasn't been getting the boost, but thankfully the node for JB has. And so we collected some of these the old school way. So I guess it's possible we might have missed one or two, but I don't think so. I think we got them all. I guess you just have to boost in a second <laughs> time to let us know. I Sorry. Guess. If we missed it, yeah, I apologize. It was my fault. You know, running with scissors. Interstellar Dave comes in with 400,000 sacks. This is Chris and Brent. Here's to 400,000 more to keep the office hours train rolling. I'm digging the Jupiter signal idea, too. That was my idea where we'd have a maybe a weekly show that's kind of a wrap-up of the news that was covered in LUP, Coder, and Self-Hosted. Or office hours. It's sort of like a meta show. So if there was news that maybe happened in a show you don't normally listen to, you could catch it there. He said, it'd be interesting to see how the audience would use Boost to signal what topics should be featured. Maybe like a voting mechanism of some kind. Ooh. And he says, don't sweat the adpocalypse. You can trust fall into the audience. P.S. Wanted to let you know that my preferred podcast app of choice on iOS has been Castro. It seems to support virtually everything you've enabled on 2.0 with the exception of transcripts. The artwork changed. The chapters were correct. All of that. Not sure if that's the dev doing some good things and keeping up to date or what. Take care. Yeah, that's great. Some apps have different levels of the support. That's one of the things that makes this whole thing odd, Wes, is like some apps will absolutely support the chapter images. Others just won't touch it. Yeah. I mean, I noticed just here, uh, Dave boosted in from the podcast index, not Castro. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Interstellar Dave is uh, traveling the index, I suppose. Yeah, that does make sense. Well, James Gordon boosted in with 111,000 cents. I hoard that which your kind covet. Would be great to hear what the costs are in making a podcast and how the boosts help towards that cost. Like, when I send 100k sats around 25 pounds, how much help is that? Does it cover your costs? I doubt it. Or does it just barely cover one person's wages or the cost of electricity or hosting fees? Some insight into your costs and how sats help without giving away too much, of course. Well, that would help. Yeah, okay. So um, that's kind of what the idea with like the the 1.5, 1.3-ish million sat bounty for Office Hours is. is Now, Office Hours is a very low-cost show. Yeah, I mean, Brent pays you to be on, right? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, and just because it's like it's the, the network and the podcast industry are the content, right? So we're like with LUP or Linux Action News or self-hosted or Coda Radio – there's a lot of original content generation that goes into that. I mean, like, even before we sat down to record, middle of the week, Wes and I were starting out, like, where we're at with Linux Unplugged that's coming up on Sunday. And so, you know, <laughs> you work on that all week. It, it never stops. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because, like, when we stop recording Linux Unplugged, it's usually, like, how long till one of us realizes we got to do this all over again? <laughs> and then the tone <sighs> in the room changes when that moment arrives. I wish it was longer. <laughs> yeah, we, we, don't, we don't make it out of the studio before we're like, oh, yeah. Oh, we got to do that all over again. So those shows have a lot more prep. They have a lot more cost. They require more time for Drew. They require a lot more cost and bandwidth. Um, so that kind of stuff, it, it sort of scales per show. So Office Hours is kind of our lean, mean, value-for-value production. And so you can see it in the splits. If you look at the splits, that's the contract. It's all right there in the RSS feed, how much Drew gets paid, how much Brent gets paid, how much I get paid. And, you know, like in this case, like 
we should somehow figure out how to, I'll try, you know what, I'm going to try per episode override so that way Wes gets the boost for this episode, right? Uh, and you can kind of see it all there. Um, so that roughly gives you an idea of what it costs to produce our cheapest show. And then it just sort of scales with production there. And then we offset some of that too with uh, membership, super party membership uh, members as well. I, did, does that, did I leave anything out, Wes, that seems obvious that I should mention? No, I think that about covers it. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, but at this point, they've kind of all solidified. Yeah. Some of them are fixed. Like every month, you know, the hosting cost is roughly the same, although that just went up on us and some of those things. Jolly Hopper comes in with 100,000 sats using the index. Chris, thanks for keeping the network alive. Not much, but I'm hoping it gets a soundbite for the other sets. What is the bounty for a soundbite? Well, you, sir, you got it. Make it so. That's right. Coming in hot with the boost. 100,000 sets is a hot boost. Thank you, Jolly. Appreciate it. Speaking of, well, Rotted Mood comes in with 100,000 sets. Coming in hot with the boost. I need to hear that Final Fantasy music again. Well, I think I have good news. Because we're getting real close. We're getting real close. You'll have to wait, though, to see if we made our milestone. Well, you already know we did. You already know it, right? <laughs> but just as a tease, I'll give you a little Zelda item. True Grits comes in with, I feel like I'm time traveling. I listened to the first two Pocket Office episodes before listening to this one. I figure I'd send in a zip code boost to help get you to the next goal. Oh, no. Oh, okay, Wes, I got a really crappy version of the map here. Hey, what show is this? And I, I know. Didn't, and I didn't expect to work this hard. And I, I tell you what, my zip code lookups are not as good as yours. Oh, okay. Well, this one we should both know because it looks like it's right in our backyard, uh, relatively speaking, because this is a postal goat in Spokane, Washington. That's right. Hello, Spokane. True Grits. You know, uh, when we do finally get to that meetup, we're going to have to get True Grits a beer. That's yes, it. maybe several. <laughs> Grounded Grid boosts in with 50k sets. B-O-O-S-T! Just noting, mmm, those delicious new podcasting 2.0 features. Amen to that. Yeah, I've been really having fun with the pocket offices and the released episodes. Generating a ton of images and doing all that stuff. It's, it's kind of hands-on, but at the same time, it feels old school and I like it. Redacted comes in with 43,210 sets using the podverse. I want to suggest for Brent to combine his visit to Berlin with visiting another European city. European cities are pretty well connected by train, and I'd like to meet him without having to travel that far. My first few digits of the boost are an international area code for my country. My postal code are the other three digits, with the sum of the three added as the fourth digit. Are you following all of that, Wes? <laughs> we'll see. He goes on to say, this is not my real neck. I'm just not comfortable connecting my location to my neck. Oh, sure, I understand redacted. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's something everybody has to balance. We try not to, like... Give out anything more than your general city, which probably most people could get by, like, your IP or something like that, if they can get that. But, f let's see, 43,210 sats. <sighs> That's a lot of math, Wes. It looks like uh, 43 might be pointing us to Austria. Ah. Very good. Hello. Okay, and then maybe it's... It's been that globe. Oh, it's, it's a big one, real heavy. Don't spin, jeez, don't spin too fast. You'll spin it right off the... Whoa, careful. Well, we know this gets dangerous, but I'm taking a wild guess. I think that we're looking for a postal code in Langenserdorf, Austria. How did I do? 2103? Hello, Langenserdorf. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I, I like it. I like the college try, too. Appreciate that. Thank you, Redacted, for the boost. Eric D. comes in with 34,034 sats. using Castomatic. Banger of an episode. Great song pick, too. The value for value music concept is fantastic news. I had no idea it existed until listening to this episode, so thank you. I'll definitely be checking out more of that. Looking forward to episode 35. Well, Eric, I hope you loved the song in episode 35 today because it's been one of my favorites. Oh, it looks like Eric came in with a second boost to add on. Side note, Castomatic doesn't seem to change the boost recipients for the song chapter, so I guess I'll head over to Wavelake and drop some sets there. I think that was my bad. And I had a chat with Stephen B. from Sovereign Feeds, and we figured out that it might have been a bug in Sovereign Feeds because I had the value block defined at the show level but not the individual episode level, and so some of the switching wasn't working. But as a workaround, I can define it at the episode level, and it should work for this episode. I, I apologize. Learning my doing, and uh, it's only getting easier, I suppose. 
<laughs> so that's good. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we got to figure it out one way or another, and hopefully this yeah. means we figure it out now and uh, not later when we switch more feeds over to it. Yeah, exactly. Ghost Mullet came in with 55,154 sats from the index. First time booster writing to say my muchismos gracias for changing the name so I can finally add it to my podcast player. Yeah, you just got to add the 2.0, right? <laughs> so stupid, but you add 2.0 to the end of office hours and it shows up in every stupid search. He said, who knew there were so many office hours podcasts out there? I know. Worst name I've ever made. I didn't even check. That's, that's rule number one. He goes on to say, I enjoyed listening to all the JB shows and I've been listening for three to four years now. So it's hard to choose just one to boost into. So many are on my list and more to come. But I love the insights into JB that comes from here, and I'm eternally grateful for the kick to decouple myself from Google that came from self-hosted, as well as the nudge to finally set up a home media server. I'm nice. currently using Pop! OS as my daily driver at work, but unfortunately, I'm going to be forced to switch back to Windows due to corporate policy in the near future. Pour one out for me, guys. He says, and P.S., this is a zip code boost. And I looked this one up, and I think it might have been St. Paul, but I'm not sure if I got it right, Wes. St. Paul, checking your zip code math, and uh, yeah, spot on here, Chris. Thank you, Mullet. Thank you for boosting in. Hello, St. Paul. And uh, maybe let us know how that uh, Windows adventure goes. Do you end up adapting workflows to WSL? Do you set up a virtual machine? Good luck. That's a great question. How does it go? Todd from Northern Virginia comes in with 22,222 sats with no note, just supporting via Podverse. Well, that's still nice. And uh, speaking of that granddaddy duck... Well, I think it's Kiro, but you like to say Cairo, if I believe. You mean K-I-R-O-F-M? K-I-R-O-F-M 97.3, Tacoma, Seattle. Your world. (laughs) That wonderful booster came in with a row of granddaddy ducks, saying Jupiter Station sounds like a great idea. I listen to all the JB shows anyway, but I can see myself using this to more easily share a quick clip with someone. Also, the extra bits from the live stream discussion sure would be nice to have. Yeah. Oh, you know, he meant this Jupiter signal. Uh, yeah, so we have two. We have Jupiter Station, which is the lit live feed. Uh, and I think I might have changed it. And Jupiter Signal, which is would be like the cut-up news bits from the show. Two names, similar idea. Playing with both of them right now to see what the Office Hours crew thinks. Trying to get the vibe from the crew that would probably be most likely listen to it. I think it's kind of 50-50 right now. Um, we'll see. Craftnix came in with a row of McDucks as well, just chopping right along there. He's out looking up for all McDucks. He's using the fountain. He writes, it's unfortunate that I can't get access to the Jupiter membership without the fiat payments. As far as I know, there's no other way to get ad-free uncut feeds for Coder and self-hosted and the self-hosted post-show. Maybe it's possible to do vouchers for Jupiter memberships. Uh, an example that works well for me is buying the Molvad VPN vouchers via Lightning through vpn.sovereign.engineering. Even though Molvad don't support Lightning directly. I guess I'll have to keep asking once a year, though. <laughs> well, gosh, that's a compelling argument from Mr. Kraftnicks, huh? Yeah. You know, I, I'm still mulling around ways to do it. It's replace Memberful, or maybe it's somehow integrating Podcast Mirror and replacing, like, some of the workarounds we were coming up with. So it's sort of... Yeah, you know, like, if we supplied Podcast Mirror as the source feed to Memberful... Then Memberful could generate user individual feeds and would, in theory, possibly, although we don't know, just pass along the other name tag, the other namespaces. All the new fancy features, right? Yeah. That might work. Well, we'll be playing around with it and report back, Craftnix. Hopefully, you won't have to wait a year. (laughs) User 660352 sent in 22,222 sets and... Quacka, waka, it's a treasure. Yippee! Quack, quack. Hey. Bounty for the win. Indeed, we really are grateful. Lafara came in with 22,222 sats, another group of McDucks. This old duck still got it. And he says, thanks for your expl- explanation. Docker exposing ports wants to update firewalls directly on its own, and Tailscale probably also wants to directly do changes. I once had a similar conflict issue during the startup order. He's talking about my Umbral box, where I had restarted some Docker services, I believe, but I hadn't restarted Tailscale, or... Perhaps like Tailscale had come up and then Docker came up. And so the Docker containers weren't on the tailnet. I don't remember the specifics anymore, but it was an issue when I couldn't get to my Umbral node remotely. It really sucked. Thanks. Yeah, something tells me they're both trying to do some IP tables updates and uh, maybe that didn't play nicely. I'll handle it. No, I'll handle it. <laughs> exactly. Mixip boosts in with 20,000 sats. Pew, pew, pew. Love the idea you put forward for Jupiter Signal. I know sometimes I get packed up a couple weeks when it comes to podcasts, and your idea for Signal 
Well, that helped me prioritize catching up. Hmm, hadn't even thought about that. That's an interesting insight, McZip. Thank you, and thank you for the boost. Iraq comes in with 4,444 sats. Hello from one node runner to another. Glad to see traction on that project. I just recently jumped back in. I'm thinking he's talking about IPFS. After I got rid of an old node VM. Now I'm running under Docker with a bit of help from Cameron at the Podcast Index Social. And uh, regarding the Docker Compose stuff, I believe someone is working on it. But running under Docker now is not 100%. I had to modify a little bit of Umbral's Docker image to make it work. Mm, good to know, huh? Mm, yeah, okay, but... Um, you know, if we could deploy a few Nix systems with IPFS podcasting in a Docker container, that is checkbox number one. Checkbox number two for me is I'd love to be able to spin up some gateways because we need more gateways than just the couple we have. And then the last checkbox, number three, would be if we could host our own redirect, right? There's an IPFS podcasting redirect right now. That's how you send an HTTP request out to the IPFS network. And I would love if we could run that on our own infrastructure. Hmm, me too. Mofata boosts in with 10K sats. Just noting, congratulations on the great milestone. Thank you for your help getting there. Gene Bean came in a whole bunch this week with like a total, I think, over 17,776 sats. Uh, he said he was actually surprised by the audio when I did the Cornfield episode. Uh, and he was helping me earlier troubleshoot the value-for-value value time split. And he connected with me on Matrix, and we did some real-time troubleshooting. So I just want to give him a special shout-out for that, too. And he says he likes the idea of the uh, Jupiter Signal show. And he says, also, once we do get transcripts up and going, he publishes his on his website for his episode, and then that opens it up to being searched by Googs. He says it works really good. Oppie1984 comes in with 4,000 sats from Fountain. I really like the idea of a wrap-up clip show. I really only have time to listen to shows while I'm at work, and as my responsibilities change, I find I'm having to spend more time on calls and in meetings and less time listening to podcasts. I'm sure that's something uh, many in the audience can sympathize with. So having a wrap-up show that would allow me to get caught up after a busy week that prevents me from listening to all my shows would be definitely welcomed. Hmm. Thank you, Oppie. That is, I think we're trending now on the positive feedback for the Jupiter Signal idea. And we want to keep Oppie listening. He's a great booster, so it sounds like it might be worth it. Andre 2K came in with 4,999 sats using Fountain. This is a good song. I'm using Fountain, so I don't know if the sats will reach the artist. I know they're working on it, Andre, if it doesn't right now. And I think it does. In fact, something Fountain FM has done with Value for Value Music is so clever. If you're listening to a podcast that features the magic wallet switching technology, there is now a hamburger menu option that will list out all of the individual songs featured in the podcast you're listening to, like this week's. And you can add it directly to your own local library from that menu if you like the song. So cool. Sir Alex Gates comes in with 10,000 Satoshis. I think the let's put everything over lightning people just went to Noster. They can stay there as long as they don't try to evangelize too much. It's a good lesson about evangelization. We need to avoid doing the same in music for podcasting 2.0. The artists will come. In hindsight, I guess I can't blame the average person for not knowing how things fit together. I just write the specs for now. <laughs> just write the specs. Alex is not only a guest, but a booster and a supporter of the show. Thank you, Alex, the podcasting consultant. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the, the thing that happens is new thing has come along. Noster, it's done with relays. How can we replumb everything to use this? And uh, sometimes it's worth challenging assumptions and thinking about that stuff. But often, I think Alex is right. It's just a lot of hype. And we kind of come around in the long term. Iraq comes in with 5,000 sats. It does look like the value time splits failed for me on Podverse. Though it's worked on other shows. So I'm not sure if it was my problem or not. Nope, it was me. And uh, thanks to Stephen B., we got it figured out. Forward humor boosts in a row of ducks. Oh, well, despite the issues, uh, Forward Humor notes that they're digging the handcrafted production. And the music insert was a very nice addition. I cranked the streaming sets up during that segment, knowing it would be going towards another artist who deserves some love, too. I appreciate y'all. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, this week, it should all work flawlessly. And the previous episode should be fixed by the time this episode comes out as well. So got it all tied up. And I really, really appreciate you guys jumping in. I sent the artist this week a note ahead of time. I sent him a boost saying, hey, I'm going to feature in office hours and my audience is going to be boosting in. I think this is a great song. It's a lot of, you know, now I'm talking to one of the artists. 
Ah, so cool. I went from never being able to play music to now I'm talking to him. It's just crazy, right? It's just crazy. Faraday Fedora comes in with 2,000 sats. I had no actual technical problem boosting with Albi and the podcast index, index. I just never listen to my computer, so it's a bit of friction when I want to send a boost. And honestly, I forget to boost after a drive or an hour of yard work. Yeah, that's why it's so nice having it in the app, Faraday. But if you don't want to switch your damn app, you can use the podcast index and get Albi. But I have to say, for me, the big step change was having the button right there in the app. I've been doing podcasting for 18 years. I've listened to podcasts that entire time. Always have been a big podcast enthusiast. It's probably the number one type of content I consume. And as a creator of podcasts that loves getting feedback, that makes feedback a huge part of every show that we do, I've never sent feedback to a podcast until Boost, until the button was right there in the app. Just never done it. Even as a creator of podcasts, just never, never, ever once written feedback to a podcast until that button was right there in the app. And I could just push it while I was listening. Iarwin Boosen with 9,630 sats. Great to see the changes in the feed. I love your idea for Jupiter Signal. I've bounced off of Coda Radio twice, but both news stories you mentioned I hadn't heard and was interested in. So at least one person would subscribe. You got to give the Coda Radio the three tr- the three soak try. You know, you got you to listen to three episodes. That's how it works with Coder. One or two episodes, yeah, you just bounce right off. Yeah, and I mean, if the episode you listened to didn't have, like, a Jar Jar in it, then you probably didn't even listen to the right show. Yeah, you got to get the full flavor, right? You got to get the full flavor. Alex comes in with 10,000 sats. I'm in the UK, and I get my sats through the Albi website using MoonPay. It's charged in USD, but the conversion to GBP is handled by your bank, so you get a good exchange rate. I tried Cash App, but it isn't working in the UK. On another note, it's a nice idea for a community project. It'd be some great kind of boost tracker on the website to see how far we are from the bounty. Much love from Wales. I would love a website boost tracker. We may, maybe we'll be building the backend tooling to enable something like that one day because there's a few things we should probably set up for a website like that to get created. Mm, yeah, definitely. We need a few plumbing bits, but I think it's been something we, we've noodled on in the backend too because, I mean, we just got to share them on the show. We want to share them anyway. Why not give something a little more real time? Alex, I just want to say I have heard from several that are outside the states that MoonPay seems to be a way a lot of them are going. If you want to do it privately, you could always look at something like RoboSats. They take a bit of a fee for the convenience of the privacy and KYC Bitcoin freeness, but then you can lightning send that to Albi as well. Bear 454 boosts in with 5,000 cents. Are you all tracking new memberships to Jupiter Party and adjusting boost expectations based on that? That's a great question. So the price has gone down since we announced the bounty. I think the Bitcoin price slid a bit, but we have collected some new members. And so to me, it's kind of a wash. So we've we've picked up a few Jupiter Party members, a handful of Jupiter Party members to support office hours. The price has slid a little bit, so we're just kind of at a wash, and I haven't had to make any adjustments. It's actually worked out really nice. Um, Personally, my expectation could totally be wrong, could totally be wrong, but I kind of expect the price to continue to slide probably until spring. Um, but I could be wrong. Could be could be maybe just a few months, but definitely the rest of the year. I expect it to kind of go sideways, fluctuate up and down within a few thousand dollars, and then kind of do big step downwards. Um, it, it kind of depends on how the rest of the economy goes. But Bitcoin is the front runner. It's the canary in the coal mine, right? The Bitcoin bird is the free market that runs 24-7, and when people need quick liquidity because of market changes, it's Bitcoin they hit first, and then the, kind of the rest of the market follows. So we'll see where things go. And if it drops quite a bit, I'll probably adjust the milestone at that point. Or if it goes up, I'll adjust the milestone downways. Bug-eyed Stormtrooper is back with 2,321 sats from Fountain. Here I come shooting sats with the accuracy of a seasoned Stormtrooper. <laughs> it was supposed to be a row of ducks, but it didn't quite hit. <laughs> Excellent work on the podcast. How about calling the sats to the next episode, The Bounty Board? As in, now, Brent, let us take a look at the bounty board. And look at that. And then you cue dramatic music. We made it. Yeah, you're right. We should up the production. If we make our next bounty, I'll have to, I'll have to do that. Mere Mortals podcast boosts in with 8,008 sats. I think the Jupiter Signal Show would be up my alley. I'm embarking on a new quest to really improve my language learning, so I have to make some cuts in my podcast consumption. Well, unless you convert some of your shows into German or Portuguese. So a quick highlights package would be great for keeping up with everything important. Oh man, we're losing we're losing folks left and right. You hear this? 
But, but we're still getting the sentiment that they, you know, they want to find a way to keep us in their uh, yeah, that's limited true. podcast roster, which I get and appreciate. I'm just going to have a mild anxiety attack about it, but it is nice. Craftnix comes in with a row of ducks. Uh, really app? R-E-L-A-I dot app is a no-fuss option for stacking stats and sats in the EU. It has a Swiss-based company behind it, which is non-custodial, and purchases are made via SEPA bank transfers. It is a KYC solution. However, the KYC is merely enforced via bank transfers. You don't have to send your ID or other identification to them. Simply download the app, put in your IBAN, and you'll be sending and be ready to go. They only do on-chain transactions right now, but they say Lightning support should be ready at the end of the year. Wow, yeah. If you're cool with KYC, that seems pretty darn convenient. Yeah, and Albi just expanded, if you want to use Albi with this, they just expanded their in-and-out options for on-chain. You can now bring in and out of Albi. You can take out of Albi on-chain now, too. Small fee there, but it makes it a lot easier because you don't even have to, you don't have to first get the sats on Lightning. You can just on-chain transfer them to Albi, and then Albi will put them on the Lightning network for you. Marchy Busin with 9,001 sats. Congrats on the bounty show. Not sure about Jupiter's signal personally. Could feel a bit redundant. Although that's probably just because I listen to all the shows anyway. So maybe I'm not the target market. Oh, phew. Thanks, Marchy. I'm starting to, <laughs> I'm starting to have a panic attack. <laughs> I'm starting to really worry. Nobody's listening. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Marchy, I'm glad. Um, he says also that he wasn't sure if we had adjusted the splits for the song. Uh, the cover art and the chapter all worked, though. Um, yeah, that was my bad, Marchie. Castomatic, I think, I think does support it. Um, I side note ended up using Castomatic quite a bit in my testing of the new Pocket Office feeds. Yeah, it's a good app. That might be my favorite iOS podcasting app. 2.0 stuff aside, it's really good. Um, I think PodFans is going to be the real competitor. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, Monty102 came in with 2000 sats. Just to note, here's to the next episode and uh, leaving Fountain for Castomatic. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, True Grits also came in with 5,000 sats saying that he had forgotten he'd listened until we mentioned his username. Here's some sats for the next one. And Bob B says, hey, did I get this right? Is this how I get sats in for the next bounty with 6,000 sats? You did, Bob. You got it right. Dave Jones came in with 10,000 sats to say Jupiter Station is an amazing name. Thank you, Pod Sage. Thank you. Yeah, so Jupiter Station is the 24-7 lit feed. In your podcasting 2.0 app, you can go search for Jupiter Station. The feed's always live with the back catalog, and then when we are live, we just kind of cut in. There's no metadata update right now because it's an MVP, but it's out there, and we're seeking testing for the Jupiter Station feed. Speaking of, McZip came in with another 5K sets to say the same. Excited about Jupiter Station. Well, thank you. And that's going to be all the boosts that make it on the air this week. We did have 45 unique boosters across 66 boosts. Now, I may have missed you as well, so I really apologize if I screwed that up. But I believe that brought us in at 1.3,757,059 total sats, which I'm saying is a big win right there. The Sonic Ding is out. And thank you, everybody. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Win it. Win it. It really whips the llama's ass. I really hope we can reach our bounty for episode 36. I got an old friend I want to bring on. We have a lot of things to still catch you up on. And of course, depending on when we record and when we release, it's either going to be right before Linux Fest or we'll have some just after Linux Fest goodies in there as well. Don't forget, things have changed for Linux Fest. It's a series of meetups now. The conference has been postponed. Details are at meetup.com slash Linux Fest Northwest, including that's where you'll find the Jupiter Broadcasting Meetup on Saturday at 4 p.m. That's meetup.com slash Linux Fest Northwest. Again, thank you, everybody, for supporting the production. You know, the brilliant thing about an Office Hours production is before we even go on air, all our costs are paid. And when we're in the middle of an adpocalypse, to know that that whole production is just already paid for and we're not taking it on as a cost center is an unbelievable relief to a business. And because we've embraced this model, we also get access to things like music. I've been doing this for 18 years, and I've never been able to play music in my shows. And now, as part of this system, we get to play music and feature songs that I think are great. And instead of having to stop for an ad break, we stop for a music break now. And I just think that's wonderful. And it's, it's a whole new style of creative expression we get to do with our shows. So thank you, everybody who boosts in, supports the shows, supports, supports the artists, or becomes a member. This truly is a value-for-value value production, and uh, we keep going as long as you keep supporting. We'll have links to our entry on the podcast index in the show notes. 
All of that is going to be at office.hair slash 35, as well as links to the Linux Fest meetup page and some of the other things we talked about, like the uh, Google Podcast app changes and Alex's proposal for changing the radio medium on podcasting to it All of that and more is in the notes. Mr. Payne, thanks for hanging out in the office with me. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, uh, Brent did say he'd bring me a moose steak as a thank you, right? Yeah, although he's been waiting out there for so long, it might be cold now. You don't mind cold moose, do you? I sure don't. <laughs> All right, that's it for us. Office hour is over. So you gotta get out of here. Get back to whatever you're doing. Okay? Well, thanks for hanging out.